greatest gift is is self belief and resilience. Right, so it's the you know, just expect to get a bunch of no's and a bunch of setbacks, and just remember that if you're the one who finds your way through it, you've got something special. If you can't find your way through it, go find something else to solve. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about building scalable startups in sunny Western Australia. My name is Danielle Cross. And I'm Natalie Milne, and today we're going to hear from Brian Innes, the founder of Plico Energy, a company focused on empowering communities to take control of their energy use, ending our reliance on coal and creating a better, sustainable future. Welcome to Startup West, Brian. Firstly, thank you very much for joining us today. We are really looking forward to understanding more about the concept of Plico. So can you tell us a bit to begin with about the core values of Plico Energy? Okay, so look, Plico Energy was inspired to create action. Um, we, we saw a energy system and a climate change problem that that the two things weren't you know happening fast enough from what the science told us and we thought that that the only way we can really transform our grids to a renewable grid with all the reliability that we need um, and also cost savings as well was to basically create a grassroots movement that that could then embrace the grid so um, we began about three years ago as the concept um, and started looking for technology options that we liked and we found an you know, Australian supplier of inverters and software that seemed to be on the right pathway. Uh, and then we coupled that with uh, a wholesale arrangement. We worked with a you know, $40 billion wholesaler to bring the package together um, and then we started looking for money mm-hmm. so we could actually finance the thing. And with the whole premise being that we're going to create a community-owned business that owns the assets that are going to be the energy system of the future. Um, so we've, we're building a grid scale battery. We've already got a megawatt hour, which is, you know, that's two Ellen Brooks, five, 10 Meadow Springs and, and as big as Alchemos. Um, by the end of the year, we'll be the biggest battery, controllable grid scale battery in the, in the WA grid. And by the end of next year, we should be bigger than the Tesla battery. All right, so all the things that grid scale batteries do, uh, where they can help stabilise the grid, they can help in the markets, they can help in the networks that you can see everyone's looking at, mm. we're going to build this infrastructure. And, mm. and the best part is that it's not going to be owned by a company in Europe. It's not going to be owned by a government utility who thinks they own us. Uh, it's going to be owned by us mm. and controlled by us and mm. we can make the money. Mm. So the biggest hurdles households normally have when they're wanting to access renewable power is that they've got to come up with a huge lump sum to actually install the solar panels on their roof. So how do you guys differ? Well, they, how do they get involved? So households today have got two options. They either stump up their own money or they go into their mortgage and, and they go talk to a bank about a debt position that then wants to sit against the asset. Mm. Right, so where we're different is the money is equity funded into a company they own and so they then contract with their own company. That has some really big advantages because it means that the contract is always naturally fair because mm. if it actually makes too much money, it's their money and they come mm. back to them. So mm. it's actually got some really nice features around it. But also because we're using equity and not going after banks and debt and grants and all the other things that everyone else is, it doesn't have all the hooks and tentacles that those mechanisms do. Mm. So they can get it no upfront with a very flexible product. So basically yep. they can, you know, four or five years in, if they need to sell their house or home, they just transfer it over. And the way that structure works is that for the first 10 years, you pay $36.50, but all the refurbishments and all of the services wrapped into that. Um, And so in year 10, once the equity investor has actually made their returns back, which was a reasonable 8.5% IRR level, which is Western Power Infrastructure kind of level, Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the 10 years, all of the shareholding that they have been holding just at security transfers back to the community business and then we reset the price and keep mm. refurbishing and servicing it. So we're expecting the reset price to be somewhere between five and ten dollars. So over over twenty five years, you've got an asset that is giving you more reliable energy 
90% clean energy, and it should halve your energy costs. So when we look at you know, status quo of buying from the energy retailer, and it's going to be about half that. Even if you put a solar system on your roof, you won't halve your bill. No. Right? Because you still have to pay for all that coal you're, you're consuming at mm, night mm. and you don't have clean energy because you, you're using coal at night. So if we want to transform our grid, we need to really go after nighttime energy. And the only two technologies that do that are batteries and wind turbines. What's also great is that once we create this battery asset that we're going to make within the Plico Energy Project, we've actually got an asset that can help more wind come into the grid because mm. it can provide the stabilisation services so we actually got these extra co-benefits coming from the project that we're going to give a more reliable grid, help Western Power out with a whole bunch of their stabilisation problems, but also allow wind to come in and not worry about it because we've got these batteries that are naturally empty at night that we could be filling up off the wind as it blows when we're all sleeping. So I understand you've um, first got some in initial installations in the southwest region. How has that gone for you? Okay, so I, I, I like to say that our southwest customers are the most patient human beings on the planet <laughs> um, because we started talking about this project to them about a year and a half ago and they really got behind it when this is a really good idea, mm. let's get on board and let's put our name to it. Um, so we've had customers who have waited a year to get the systems. We've really only been putting systems out since December. Mm -hmm. um, so it took us... Like everything, you know, you've got great aspirations to think that things can be done with uh, lawyers and, and processes quickly. Uh, generally, it's not mm -hmm. that quick. And so by the time we got the suite of documents we needed to basically pull together the Plico project and get access to the, the $50 million in equity funding into that, uh, into that community vehicle, uh, it was really July-ish. And then we kind of launched into some into some um, marketing and, and contractual signing in around August, and we got over the thresholds for the conditions precedent CPs to be released in December. And so then that's why we've just started operationalizing now. So we've now got, uh, I think we're into the seventies or eighties of systems. We've got about one hundred and fifty systems to get done by the next month. Um, that will get us up into the megawatt hour battery size, um, and we're now just open for business. And and all those people who waited. Quite a long time. We're now into a position where now you can sign up and you'll get a system in about four weeks. And and you're open for business, Brian, statewide? Statewide. Statewide. Uh, and our funding partners, um, when because a lot of work was done to put the structure together mm. and they really liked the way we solve problems and, and uh, put all the, the little bits behind the scene that can be quite complicated. And, and so they've asked us to basically be their global partner of trying to do this around the world. Um, there's Fantastic. no shortage of no shortage of uh, green infrastructure funds looking for homes of mm. well structured low risk products, which is what we've created effectively. So they want us to be on the east coast by June. Mm -hmm. So we're now working at how we're going to do that, and we raise a little bit more equity to make sure we can go go after it. But we we should hopefully be launching over there in sort of in the May July period, um, and then we'll be going Queensland, New South Wales, and Victoria looking for people who want to spread the word and um, sign people up and, and roll things out. So how did you get your funding partner? So we've got sort of two funding partners. So the, the, the funding partner, Saucy Partners, which is funding the community project, so they're not right. funding my company. Right? Right. So I, I'm the, the service provider effectively mm -hmm. to the community project. Mm -hmm. um, so actually it's a good story how I found them. I was, I was giving a talk about two years ago. And I literally changed my talk just before I got up. I was fifth in line. There was four other people talking about large-scale solar projects looking for funding and all of them were saying the same things. I've got a project that, you know, I've got land, I might have a network connection, uh, I've got some approvals but I don't have an off-take, I'm looking for funding. Uh, and then it started off at you know, a couple hundred megawatts and another one was a gigawatt who had land but didn't have a network connection and, and they're all sort of saying you know, where they're at. And so I changed my story at the last minute. I said, I've got a 60 gigawatt project. It's every roof in the country. 
got all my approvals because they're all five kilowatts, which means they go through in about a week. I've got 5,000 EPC contractors ready to go on a 24-hour contractual basis um, so I can hire and fire them and replace them as I need be. I've got um, offtake agreements with households at five times more than anybody else. I don't have a bank that knows how to invest in it. Oh. And so Susie Partners said, that's interesting, let's see what we can do. Um, and so we started talking and it took us about a year to try and work out how to structure it so we could get access to, you know, there's a lot of rules around mm. infrastructure funds mm -hmm. and what they can and can't mm -hmm. go into. Uh, they're not allowed to invest in me, unfortunately, because they're not allowed, I'm, too, you know, I'm a startup. So, you right. know, infrastructure funds can't invest in startups but we, they can invest in projects. In the infrastructure. So we went yeah. after a project mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. how we did it. Mm -hmm. um, and then now, then we've gone and found uh, local um, high net worth money. Uh, we, we Actually, Euros has been a, our advisor in that regard. Um, so raised a million dollars. We're now in the process of, of raising more. Uh, we'll do some successive, you know, a series of raises mm -hmm. over the next six or 12 months uh, and we'll see whether we either go to the markets or go into a, a big private equity play. We're not quite sure yet, but we'll be continuing to raise and, push and push as hard as we can. I mean, most of our money these days is is spent on all the fun stuff of uh, marketing and comms and uh, you know, spreading sure. the word. So. Yeah, yeah. So what have been what have been some of the challenges so far in the last three years? Oh, look, the, like everything, you, you always expect things to happen um, faster at half the price. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, so it is, it's it's all the bootstrapping stuff mm. that you need to do as a startup and you just have to keep believing and pushing through. Um, actually, our, our partners, Sussy Partners, who are our funders, um, who do a lot of project finance stuff and, and they say, look, it's not a good project unless it dies twice along the way. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a couple of almost critical, Ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. but then when you solve it, all of a sudden you're creating something that's pretty unique mm. because you're solving problems mm. that other people haven't worked yeah. out how to solve. Yeah, so. yeah. So you've had a long career in energy. Have you always had a sustainability um, approach? Um, my, my early career started in nanotechnology. So, oh, really? Yeah. So I was, I was basically, I was, I was working for a startup out of UWA, which um, created uh, nanomaterials and uh, created, uh, made zinc cream transparent. So, oh, was, yeah. Oh, so if you've you ever used, well done. An, Thank you. if you've ever used <laughs> invisible zinc, uh, that, that was one of my early, early plays. Um, so that, uh, that company went through and we took it to float. And then um, I was spending most of my time overseas in, in nanomaterials and, and chemical markets. Um, and then had a bit of a life change uh, with two children coming along at once. As you do. Um, <laughs> with twins. And so I thought, oh, I can't really spend my life out there. And I'd already started to you know, read an awful lot about climate change. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rabid science um, reader. And so once you read science, you read the problem and you sort of look at what's going on and you go, Crikey, that's the biggest problem the world's facing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've always been a believer that, you know, chase the problem, the biggest, find the biggest problem and then use your intellect to, find a solution and, and you'll do well in life. Mm. Um, and so I saw that as the biggest problem and, well, I want to move into that space. And, and luckily at the time, uh, you know, the engineering world um, where I, you know, I'm a materials engineer by training so I can go into mining or advanced materials or anything else, um, they were pretty in 2008 when I was looking for a new job, the WA was at a ridiculous boom, so it was quite easy to go lateral. They were looking for anyone who knew anything. Um, and so I found a firm that was specialising in greenhouse gas and, and sustainable solutions, moved over to them, uh, sort of rose up through them to I was the general manager of that business. Um, and uh, then then about probably five years ago, just started to get a bit disgruntled with what these businesses were saying but not doing. 
uh, and extremely disgruntled in the politics of it all. I know. I mean, I've been well wrapped in the world of climate change politics for the last you know, mm. twelve years, and it's a depressing space mm. if you really look at what what has been done. Uh, and it's depressing to see the control that you know, certain elements within the media and, and the politics have over something that is you know, broadly the, the whole of Australia wants us to do something, and we're not doing anything. Yeah. So that's when the, the spoon of the idea was: well, how can we find something where they can can do something? So, yeah, but in addition to the stuff I've been doing on the Plico Energy Project, I've spent a, a lot of time helping miners and oil and gas companies be cleaner and greener and uh, I've got a, I'm helped with a few big projects. There's a there's a, a large project that's currently running about 65% renewable energy in the northern gold fields. That was sort of something I helped foster and develop and did the technical commercials on those. So, And prior to coming to Plico, I spent a lot of time helping large energy users uh, either f- look at renewable solutions, look at how they're embracing the market, looking at what they can do in our working, how to be more greenhouse gas, um, or re- looking at how to reduce their greenhouse gas. So there was a whole bunch of other things that will fit on top of everything we're doing now. So. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Um, can we take you a bit back to high yeah. school days? Um, what were your favourite subjects? Yeah, I was probably a nerd in uh, maths, physics, chemistry. Mm, mm. And I, I always talked about the the wonder of like getting to year 12 when you realise they all interconnect. Mm. Right? So yeah. you start going, hang on, chemistry's got physics in it mm. and they've all got maths in them and they're all coming together. And and probably my, my core driver was just wanting to understand the planet. And so I, actually I talk about my journey of um, climate change and greenhouse gas reports like I started off as a science nerd and wanting to understand how how, to, how the world works in, in, in physical sense, in science sense. Then I realised as I was sort of you know, getting into the, the, the energy climate change space, I was actually, no, look, financial engineering is part of the solution. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so I went and did a, a grad dip in finance to, on top of my um, engineering degree which I, um, to try and understand that. And then when I started getting disheartened, I realised that, you know what, I was putting up projects that were economically and environmentally sensible and now getting knocked back by by egos and, and psychology. And I actually did a um, HR and a marketing degree mm. back with my engineering degree and I went, actually, I need to put my psychology hat on and we need to actually start going after hearts and minds ah. because if we want to change this planet, you've got to tell the stories, mm-hmm. you've got to go after the why. And yeah. so actually Plico, the Plico Energy Project, we've spent a lot of time trying to find our way to define the whys. Yeah, yeah. it sounds like you've always been a problem solver right yeah. back from, yeah. from early days. Do you think you were a, an early leader? Um, I don't think I was naturally the guy who'd stand up and want to be mm. the leader of the football team. Mm. Uh, I think I had a nickname in year seven, Mr. Logical. Mr. Logical. <laughs> <laughs> I was often the, the killjoy. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, but definitely I've always been seeking the truth. Yeah. Yeah, always been seeking the truth. So have there been any special challenges by doing a startup in regional WA apart from having to choose between working or enjoying the local surf and wine? Um, (laughs) Luckily, luckily I uh, I do reside in a vineyard, so I've got plenty of wine. Um, um, The And the surfing is still something I'm working on. but no, no, but the, the reason why we did it down there, yep. to be honest, is that we're, like, we're doing business model innovation more than anything else. 
Uh, you want an incubator where you can go mm. and test, you can try, you can prod. If things don't go to plan, you can change direction. Yep. And, and that an experiment. A, an experiment. <laughs> it's a really nice lab that no one's watching. Yep. Mm. All right. So there's an awful mm. lot of people out there doing a lot of arm wavering. We wanted to get the we, – when we knew that a lot of our business model was really about getting it up, getting it right and then hitting it hard. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to do that in a place that we could work it out. So I think we have. Yeah, I love it. Um, Brian, did you have any mentors or advisors along the way? Look, um, look, yeah, a few, a few. So look, um, look Board's got, got one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and – Across the career, look, definitely my early career was yeah. um, uh, at a professor mm-hmm. when I was doing my early you know, international business development for nanotechnology and so I spent a lot of time with him. Uh, that was that was an interesting time and he'd sort of set that business up and he was uh, a very interesting fellow. Um, and then along the way, I look, there's just there's people everywhere, you know. You, yeah. you want to talk to everyone you can and learn what you can. So Yeah. What um, advice would you give um, to Perth founders? From your journey, but the the greatest gift is is self belief and resilience. Mm. Right, so it's the you know, just expect to get a bunch of no's and a bunch of setbacks, and just remember that if you're the one who finds your way through it, you've got something special. Mm. If you can't find your way through it, go find something else to solve. You know? mm. But you better know early than hang on. You know, so. Yeah, so important. And how about um, who do you admire as a startup leader? Actually, the guy I saw a TED talk on, I can't remember his name, but he started Chobani Yogurt. Oh, I've not oh. seen that. Yeah, Ooh, really cool TED talk. And okay. um, and he, she saw that, look, I'm a, I own a company and I'm not just a bunch of shareholders. I have a whole bunch of humans in my company mm-hmm. that, are, that, are, mm-hmm. that are equally important. And so he went out and to, you know, try to work out where to build his yogurt factory and he went out to a place that a yogurt factory literally just left the town and the town was kind of devastated. And um, so he basically got a team together and said, all right, we're going to work this out. And he worked with them and all of the innovation spirit and all of the the power of humans fantastic. given the right mm-hmm. tools mm-hmm. to then go and out and out. Fantastic yogurt, and it's a it's a, you know, it's a global product. But mm. it's, um, go check out the TED talk. Yeah, mm. very cool. that is really interesting. <laughs> it sort of mirrors your approach, though, yeah. I guess. Yeah, um, it's, it's you've got finding a, that community, like, and I spend a lot of time talking about Plico Energy Projects. Not mine. Mm. It's it's the customers. Yep. Like, they own it, not me. I'm just a service provider. Mm. Yeah. So in five years' time, what does success look like for Plico? Um, look, in five years, what what I would love to see is the acceptance that that the grid is ours now right? yep. we own it right we always did own it right we just indirectly owned it through utilities who think mm. they own it um and and so as we do that and we realize that we can have cheaper more reliable and greener energy and and get to 90 percent when when every household realizes they can get to 90 percent clean energy themselves all of a sudden you go well why isn't the grid doing it well yeah. i'm just i'm just doing it myself what, mm. what's the problem here why mm. why are we why are we throwing up this ridiculous conversation that we don't have the solutions. The mm. solutions are just sitting there. It's just an execution problem. Especially in a country like Australia. Yeah. And and look, we see an awful lot of, um, you know, paralysis by over-information and complexity in this mm. space, right? And a lot of people go, well, I don't know what to do. I've, mm. Got, mm. I've got five quotes and I've got all these kilowatts and kilowatt hours yeah. and, mm. and panel things and tier one this and that. And like, 
look, just relax, right? We're, we're in the journey with you. It's a 25-year journey. Uh, if it breaks, we'll fix it. So mm. don't worry about that. Look, I've you know, spent a lot of time in this industry. I've gone and found stuff I trust because I'm the one who's got to fix the thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so getting people head around the fact that there's a different so way of doing it and there's a different model, right? Mm. And um, and then once we get over that, it just it just should proliferate, right? It should just go everywhere. There's mm. there's, there's no reason we shouldn't have a six gigawatt solar system sitting on our roofs in Perth mm. by 2025. Yeah. Right? And if I had that, I'd have 10 gigawatt hours of battery. And if I had 10 gigawatt hours of battery, then I can put another two gigawatt of wind in the grid and take that wind at night and bring it back in the morning. And we've got an 80% renewable system by 2025. Right? Mm. And then WA has just shown the world, hey, How we've, just, got, we've mm. just gone from 80% coal to 80% renewable in five mm-hmm. years. That would be fantastic. Amazing. Come on, China. Amazing. Get come on. on come that on. That would be amazing. Yeah. All right. Speaking of come on, we've got our rapid quick fire round right. to end. So six questions coming your way. Who should we interview next? Mm. I just saw a talk from uh, Damon Gamo, um, the 2040 um, director, who's um, obviously built uh, an amazing movie, amazing documentary, and, uh, and a very good storyteller on this topic. Um, he so should be on our list. He's, he should be on your list. Um, and uh, look, I would definitely catch up and talk about how we can do stuff together. Um, what other? Look, I'm, I, I think we, we're going to help solve the electricity problem. Yeah. The next problem to solve is going to be the electric vehicle mm-hmm. and or autonomous vehicle problem. And I, and I love the, the link between autonomous and electric because cars have a utilisation problem. Like we only utilise our cars less than 5% of the time. Once you get rid of humans driving it, we can get those assets to be a 50% utilised asset and it's a step change mm. in, in capital efficiency, yeah. right? So it's a, it's a game changer. What that really means is that we can have $150,000 carbon fibre Maseratis as our taxis because it doesn't ah. matter because the capital cost is now irrelevant because I'm utilising it so much better. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds like so, you've just got yourself. That's really working for you. Yeah. Um, so, so the autonomous world is really interesting. Um, look, there's a guy called Paul Lucy in Project 412 we're trying to do some stuff with. Mm-hmm. Um, he's trying to get things up and going and turn, trying to look, WA is so naturally the home of autonomous. Mm. Right? We've, one, we've got a whole bunch of autonomous already happening in our mining fleet. So we've got the engineers already sitting here. We've got places like the Southwest where it's born and built on selling alcohol, but you can't buy, you can't get a taxi. Yeah. Right. Mm. You know, we should be going, let's get autonomous into the Southwest as a trial zone. And there's, you know, it's one big ring road around caves and then up up the other Bustle Highway. It's it's simple. It's a simple map. It's a simple, other than the kangaroos jumping around, which, I'm sure the vehicles will sort out. Yeah. Um, so it's a really interesting space for us to put some time and attention mm. on. So definitely, look, anyone in that space. And then look, there's there's got to be a bunch of people who mm. create little businesses who are doing autonomous work for the miners. Mm. Let's let go and find some of those in and go. You know, they they might not be a traditional whiz bang startup, Start but up, there's yep. businesses that have got incubator groups and doing lots of stuff in that space that we should try and celebrate and bring a little cluster together. Mm. Sounds like you've got your next project, Brian. We would, we weirdly enough, uh, <laughs> the Plico Energy Project would love to fund an autonomous taxi. Yeah, fleet. there you go. Yeah. Um, so, if you were at a bar, what would you be ordering? 
Oh, look, I'm unfortunately um, a gluten-free human being, mm-hmm. um, so my alcohol choices are limited by the, the, the gluten-free options um, and a dirty martini would Ooh, work, nice. me, work out perfectly. Perfectly. Hit the spot. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> um, founder as a solo or as a team? It's always a team. Yeah, no, you need to look. I'm look my 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 partner in crime. We both recognise each other's strengths and weaknesses, and it's yep. always better when you, yep. when, particularly when you've got a diverse team. Yeah, like a team of of everyone the same. That's not a team. Agreed. Yeah. What does self care look like for you? Um, time on a yacht. Mm. Right, doesn't matter what I'm doing on it, but uh, I think one hour on the water making mm. a yacht work is worth about five hours anywhere else. Mm. Good advice. Um, AI, do you like it or loathe it? Um, I did watch the latest Terminator recently. Um, <laughs> so, so that end not so nice, <laughs> um, but. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, in general, in general um, I think there's a lot of stuff we're doing on automation, on customer, and we're really trying to get the customer experience yes. right. So if the AI is built with the customer experience first and yep. not second, yeah. if the AI is built to make the company make money, blah, if the AI is there to make the customer better and their experience better, that's fantastic. And you like it. And lastly, uh, what book would you recommend to our listeners? It's a tough one on the spot. I understand that. Yeah. Um, look, there's a book I like at the moment. It's more psychology than, than anything else, mm-hmm. but it's The Courage to Be Disliked, mm-hmm. uh, which is a wonderful book on the theories of. Oh, there you go. You've got me on the spot now. Um, the other, not Freud, the other guy. Um, Sounds like Mad Mash guy. No, not Mad. Uh, Adler. There we go. Ah, so okay. edit that one. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the book I would probably go is more on the psychology side. Mm-hmm. It's the yes. courage to be disliked, Ooh. which is about the theories of Adler, and it's it's a wonderful conversation between a mentor and mentee. Um, but Adler was around about the time of Freud, and but he had quite divergent views. So mm-hmm. when Freud talks about you've done all these things to you in your life, and that's why you are what you are. Adler talks very much about no, you are you beholden to your brain. Mm-hmm. And you can mm-hmm. be whatever you want to be. It's what you choose to let go of or hold on to. And so it's a, it's quite an empowering book. And also it talks about you know really making sure that you're not doing anything. In, in you know if people want to judge you, let them judge you. Mm. It's their problem, not yours. Fantastic. Yeah. So thank you for your time today, Brian. So if our listeners are keen to join the Community Power Grid, what should they do? It's really really simple. Yep. Uh, all they need to do is go to plicoenergy.com.au. They can join up. Um, that join up doesn't commit them to anything. Basically, it commits us to do some work for them to look at, go through all the approvals processes and look at whether how to make it all work and then make sure the roof can have panels on and do a bit of a design. Once we've done all that, they then have a 10-day cooling-off period and they're not committed to that. So the best thing you can do is join up and you're going to learn through the process and learn whether it works for you or not and you're not committed to the end of it. Once you've joined up um, within that, because of the 10-day cooling period, it will take about four weeks um, for us to basically then go, right, we're ready. Um, you'll get a wonderful a local electrician to come out and do the work. It'll take about four to six hours to get the system on. Uh, we will help and then with the app to make sure you can see what's going on in your house. You'll then have our service available to you for the next 25 years and you'll be part of the community. You'll join our Plico Connect 
community where everyone talks and shares about how they're using the system and getting more out of it. We'll have community events. We had our first members event three weeks ago. We all went to the AFLW game um, because, again, it's their company, not mine. So we, you know, we spend money on our shareholders the way all good companies should. Sounds fantastic. fantastic. I'm sold. I've yes. just bought a new house, so I'm sold. Thanks, Brian. Um, so thank you very much, Brian. Um, it's been a real pleasure to speak to you this morning and um, best of luck to a fabulous West Australian startup, Plico Energy. Thank you very much thank for having you. me. Also, thanks to our sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Spacecube Coworking Spaces, Curtin University, IP Lawyers Raise, BDO Accounting and the New Industries Fund, the WA Government Department of Jobs, Tourism, Science and Innovation. We record this podcast at Rift Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, Western Australia. Mm-hmm.